0: I'm glad you could join me for some great seafood. Me too. Wait, why are you dressed in fishing gear? You said we were going out to catch great seafood, right? Yes, to Popeyes. Do you even know how to fish? No, I thought you did. Oh yeah, I could catch pretty good seafood at Popeyes. Let's
1: go. Let Popeyes do the fishing while you enjoy our delicious signature seafood. Get Popeyes flounder fish sandwich or shrimp tackle box before they're gone. Limited time at participating U.S. restaurants. yours truly along with john shannon with only one fireplace going in the background ladies and gentlemen today as he is being um covid friendly i suppose although i don't think fireplaces necessarily spread covid do you think
0: no, no. and these ones don't even spread heat so don't worry about it <laughs> <Pop>. <laughs>
1: uh we are um happy to be joined by the executive director of the national hockey league players association don fear is uh, with us happy holidays mr fear how you doing
2: well, thank you. We're doing all right. Pretty safe down here. Hope everybody's healthy up where you are.
1: Uh well, uh we are. I know John and I are and um we hope everybody else stays safe too. Uh well, let me start with this. Could you categorize how close you might have come to canceling the upcoming season? Was it even on the radar?
2: Not really. That was going to be from our standpoint, and I'm pretty sure from the NHL standpoint too, that was the last alternative and only if circumstances forced it. That was not something anybody wanted to do or that we really thought would be necessary. We anticipated having to make adjustments, of course, Mm -hmm. and um, recognize the pandemic and what we needed to do in light of it, but that's about it.
0: So, uh, Don, how how would you define what you've gone through since um, the memorandum of understanding was signed in the summertime and uh, the the original return to play and now what you've gone through with uh, Gary and Bill and and everything that's gone on so far. I guess I would say two ways. First of all, beginning with
2: last March, this has been a process unlike anything I've ever gone through in my professional career, because no matter how bad the disputes were in baseball or, or here in the NHL, you knew you could make a deal and you would end the disputes and things would go back in some fashion or another. Here, the pandemic made large amounts of what, what we had to deal with completely outside our control. So when we got the original MOU done last summer, um, it was an, a CBA extension, which went for a number of years. Players were happy with that. We thought it worked and it, it had, the possibility of, of pandemic reduced revenues. Players were prepared to to live with that on an ongoing basis. Um, the NHL thought the pandemic was hitting a little harder than they anticipated. We had some discussions. Um, turned out that there were no changes made, and we were back where we started. Um, I, I sort of treat it as ordinary, garden variety collective bargaining. If you overlay that it was in the midst of a pandemic, I don't treat it as anything outside that.
0: So, How would you so,
1: categorize your objectives when you um, when when this all started and you and you started sitting in rooms and on uh, Zoom calls? I would assume with the commission? I
0: don't think they've been in the same room at all ever. Have you, Don? Have you? No, no. not for a very long
2: time. I uh, did not go out to Edmonton. Matthew Schneider was out there and he sat down with Gary a little bit, but I was in Toronto in the in the bubble. Um, it, the objectives were to try and do two things: to forge obviously the best possible deal we could for our constituents that's the job that's gary's job on his side too sure uh and secondly to create a circumstance in which the industry could get through the pandemic and as soon as health conditions and economic circumstances permitted bounce back and hopefully bounce back in a in a really strong way and if there was a shared goal that that was it and you know, that's not normally something you see in, in professional team sports. There There's the assumption everything's always going to be great. Well, we've learned it's not true.
1: The delicious ice cold taste of Dr. Pepper has a lasting effect on people. Lindsay from Sacramento said,
2: Pro tip, 40 degrees is the perfect temperature for an ice cold Dr. Pepper.
1: Why is 40 degrees the perfect temperature for Dr. Pepper? We brought in Sue from Duluth, Minnesota to tell us.
2: Oh yeah, I know a thing or two about cold. Oh, that right there is the perfect kind of ice cold for Dr. Pepper. I'd share that with my friend Nancy. She likes Dr. Pepper, too. You know, my co- All right, that'll
1: be all, Sue. Having a perfect temperature for your Dr. Pepper? It's a Pepper thing. Inspired by real fan posts. John?
0: Are you confident now that that the seven Canadian teams will be able to play in their seven cities? Pretty
2: confident. I mean, obviously, we're in discussions with the uh, various public health authorities in the five provinces plus PHAC. And the discussions are good they're substantive, they're in a problem solving mode. And we have some things to work out yet. But, you know, I'll keep my fingers and toes crossed, but I think we'll get there and before
0: too long. And so, so the the alternative, the alternative would be to play in mini bubbles of some sort. And um, I would take it based on what happened in Toronto and Edmonton, the players wouldn't really like that very much. Well, it, it
2: that's not the best alternative. Look, everybody wants to stay with their families, particularly in troubled times. And so we need to figure out a way to make that work if it's at all possible. Uh, plus the fact if you even thought about bubbles for a long, long period of time, you'd be asking people not to see their, their spouses and not to see their children for months on end. That's a real, real heavy lift.
1: Um. One of the things that was rumored to be discussed were um, like temporary bubbles, a bubble where teams would go in for a couple of weeks and then come out for a couple of weeks, addressing the issue you just raised on about not being able to see family for extended periods of of time. Mm -hmm. Was was that problematic? Did that prove to be a problematic uh, potential solution?
2: No, I think what it proved to be was something we don't think we're going to have to do. That's what I think it is. And, and hopefully that will prove out to be the case. We'll know in just a couple of three, four days, I think.
0: And I, so that, that leads the, the thought you're, you're, you believe that the 13th is a realistic date? So, so far, th- ask me Monday and so far. Yeah. And that, and that really is a thing is that you, you have to be flexible and adaptive in these days, right?
2: Oh, there's no question about it. Look, uh, uh, players recognize and, and we remind them from time to time that um, in this situation, we're going to have to adapt if circumstances require. Nobody knows for sure what's going to happen, but I'm really confident that that the players have the kind of resiliency and understanding that they'll do that as a matter of course if it's required.
1: You, you alluded to this, Don, and that is that we don't know what's coming. We don't know what's what's gonna happen tomorrow. We assume, you assume, that the season will start on the 13th. There's no reason to believe it won't, but who knows? Um, as the season progresses, does do the, the, the number of incidents, positive tests, increase or decrease? Is the vaccine a factor in, in lowering the risk? These are all things we, we can speculate on, but we, we we can't define. I'm intrigued by the list of variables that you may have come up with between you and the and the league going forward. I mean, is there a, a whiteboard somewhere with if this, then this?
2: Not quite. <laughs> there is sort of mental images of uh, uh, what it would take to cope, <coughs> excuse me, I think that's the best word, with a situation if it if it develops. Um, I'm reasonably confident that, that that's an unlikely scenario, though, and, and I say that for two reasons, one of which is that last summer, Uh, admittedly, the bubbles were tighter, but the guys really got it and they really responded and we didn't have any issues at all. And given what's happened over the last several months, everybody understands that, that, uh, the virus is still raging in certain places. That you have to have appropriate caution that you don't want to take anything back to your families. You don't want to let your teammates or the fans down. And so I, I think the likelihood of our of our having incidents insofar as we can control it is is really low. If there's something we can't control, we'll deal with it at the time.
0: So the lesson learned uh, from Major League Baseball, they had a rocky start to their schedule uh, with the, the Marlins and the Cardinals having some issues. Uh, but it seemed like the players picked up the ability to police themselves. Do you expect your players to to be the policemen themselves? Yes. I, I don't think that'll be an issue at all.
2: I, I really do. Peer pressure always works the best anyway.
1: What'd you learn? I
0: mean, I, 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 I oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry.
1: Well, no, I'm, I'm interested in what, what you and the league learned from, um, uh, baseball, uh, the NFL, maybe more specifically because their season started after yours ultimately finished and maybe to a lesser extent, the NBA. And I only say that Don, because they played in a, in a bubble. Um, and are only now starting to do what you guys are purporting to, uh, to want to do. So what were the lessons that you learned?
2: Well, I, I think the lessons basically come down to the following, that, that players, staff, everybody around the game, everybody around the uh, staging of the event um, needs to be really careful, needs to strictly follow the protocols. They have to be designed right. And you have to err on the side of caution, for lack of a better word or, or, or a better way to put it. When we saw what happened in some of the other sports, basically, it's just a, an example, if you will, of the kind of thing you have to be careful to, to avoid. Now, our situation is not really like what's in the NFL. In the NFL, essentially, you play one game a week. Right. And, then, and then you're at home and you're dealing with vastly more people obviously, than then, uh, we are. Uh, Major League Baseball demonstrated, I think, for the most part, that you have some events, they aren't optimum, and you work them out, and they're unlikely to be repeated. And hopefully, mm-hmm. that's where we are. Look, um, I took this job, and I've stayed with it, mostly because I like the guys. Mm-hmm. I like how smart they are, I like how dedicated they are, I like how responsible they are, they're um, really a pleasure to to represent and they get it, they do. Uh,
0: Yeah, does that mean that you you brought that up, that's an interesting um, change in topic. Are, are you can, contemplating leaving after this season, or where do you see yourself uh, at I the end of to, the season? I didn't mean to engage season. in that discussion. I'll I'll only okay. say this: okay. I am
2: uh, seventy-two. I'll be seventy-three this summer. Um, my time horizon in any job is limited, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we'll see. And and as I uh, told one of your colleagues, who actually put it in a in a in, in a column yesterday, my grandchildren are really complaining that I can't go see them. And so, you know, that they, they sort of dominate the the fear extended family.
0: <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't have brought it up, except I, I th- kind of thought you did. So <laughs> uh, um, we've already, we're, we're three days into the NBA season and we've already seen the postponement. Uh, the, the Rockets game got postponed on Wednesday night. Um, how how do you in the league plan to h- handle those types of postponements? Uh, we'll just deal with it as
2: it comes up, if it comes up. Um, and I hate to say what I what I'm about to, but that's a good object lesson for our guys. You know, it it's it's a graphic illustration of how careful you need to be. Uh, and we've got training camp, you know, coming up, and there will be daily testing and great likelihood is we know that family testing will be available and maybe as a matter of course. And therefore, uh, people are just gonna have to be on their toes. If we have to move something a day or two, we'll, we'll figure out a way to do that.
1: With uh, Don Fear, the executive director of the NHLPA. I'm a little reluctant, Don, to use the word negotiation in terms of the conversations that you have been going through over the last uh, few months. Uh, because it implies something that probably was only partially true that there were discussions and negotiations and back and forth because in this case in essence really i think both sides were trying to achieve a mutually beneficial objective and hopefully you you've been able to do that but how problematic would you categorize um these discussions given the economics that you guys now face
2: well, I I guess, I guess basically I can describe it in the following way. Um, the economics, we knew were going to turn negative for a while. Hopefully it'll be a short while. Mm-hmm. We don't know how fast they're going to rebound. All of my experience is that as soon as sports can come back to normal, no matter what the cause of the stoppage is, that they do rebound. And so long term, I'm not concerned about that. We had to figure out a way to come up with, for lack of a better way to put it, adjustment mechanisms um, between uh, now and when we get there. And they aren't perfect. They're best guesses at, at the time. And there's gonna be some players and there are gonna be some owners that are gonna be unhappy with them, I'm certain, as time goes on. But I'm confident that it's a reasonable way to proceed. Hopefully, one of the things that will come out of this will be a sense of joint enterprise to try and say, all right, we now have this opportunity. Is, is there anything we wanna change, do differently, market differently, go into other areas, You know, whatever the case may be, to try and enhance the already great uh, uh, circumstances that the NHL has. I think one of the the small indicia of that were is the advertising on helmets that we see. It's been something that's been prevalent in other sports, you know, for a long 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 time.
0: So do you, do you, are we talking jerseys next though? Don? Do you think we're is, is that the discussion do you, or is I don't, helmets I don't going know.
2: To, I don't know. That know? that that will come. That will come. But look, it, it years and years and years ago I was asked in a in, a, in a US senator or congressional hearing, could I guarantee forever that the baseball world series and playoffs would be on free TV? And I said, no, and I got looked at like I was from Mars. And I said, we don't know where the world is going. We don't even know if there's gonna be free TV anymore. And that's true with, with what we're talking about too. Sooner or later, the business side of the game will seek to take advantage of whatever opportunities there are, provided that it's done in a respectful and tasteful manner and something that doesn't offend fans.
0: Actually, you you bring up a very interesting point because we're seeing the real morphing of all sports into the gambling world uh, with with the, the change in legislation in the United States particularly bally's has bought into all the regional sports networks hopefully to re rebrand them bally sports network how, how do you see that changing revenue streams for the players in the league
2: well first of all this is a change in north america but in this case we're following patterns around the rest of the world this isn't new around most of the rest of the uh, of the developed western world second thing is uh hopefully it will provide two things it will provide a Vehicle to enhance interest and enjoyment and participation, if you will, by fans and the people that follow the game. And eventually, if it helps provide a revenue source, and I think it will, although I don't know what the magnitude will be, that'll be good too. Um, this is, seems to be what the society wants. You know, when when I was a kid growing up, if you had told me that state governments would essentially take over the numbers racket and call it lotto because they wanted to tax it, we all would have laughed. That's crazy, but that's, that's where we are. And it seems to be working just fine.
1: Uh, I want to ask before I let John back in here, I I, want to ask a question I think some people will be interested in. There has been much generic chatter over the course of this process about what teams um, the individual clubs could lose, what owners could lose, how much revenues will be down, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, my experience is there's been perilously little about, um, where the players are economically going into this. And, and maybe I've just missed the boat, but I want to ask the question in in a fairly specific way. And I know you can't be specific, but as best you can. (laughs) Okay. So if I'm, Don, I, I'm, I'm I'm an NHL player. I make a million dollars a year, and I only put that number out there as a round figure. Um, what can I expect to take home this year?
2: 72% before taxes. And that's after a 20% escrow and a 10% deferral. One's on top of the other. That's why it, it ends up 28 rather than 30%. And, so- and that's what it'll be. And then there are, are going forward, there are, are three kinds of limitations. The first one is that until revenue really rebounds, the cap isn't going to grow, and that will be the sacrifice that players are going to have to go through. Um, the second thing is that um, there will be, for at least a while, depending on how fast revenue rebounds, um, a growing escrow debt, which will sooner or later come due, and, and will be the subject of uh, repayment down the road, although with that's why there are escrow limits to make sure that it doesn't hit people too hard in in any given year. Um, and then, third, you know, sooner or later we'll get to an end of the agreement, and the players and the owners are going to have to decide what modifications, if any, they want to make in the current system in light of the experience we've had the last several years. I mean, you know, it it's uh, th- this is different. This is a stress test of a cap system. That's what it is.
1: Just just for clarity here. Um... So 72% is, is that 72% of that million dollar contract I've got yes. or 72% on the basis of a per game average salary?
2: No, it's the contracted for sale.
1: Okay. So am I wrong in assuming then that playing 56 games rather than 82 games, it does not really impact the, the, uh, the salary of the individual player.
2: It doesn't affect it this year. It will because that would mean uh, reduced revenue. Understood. The escrow obligations down the
1: road. Gotcha, gotcha.
0: John? And and is it your your belief, Don, that both the the player side and the owners will be made whole by the end of the six years?
2: I certainly hope so. And if revenue rebounds, I, I certainly believe that's the case, yes.
0: And, and there, there's also been a, a thought that uh, there are players actually that aren't in the league now that will end up paying for the play, uh, pay, paying for this issue. Is that true? Like, no, it, like depends. That it,
2: it depends. It but, depends. But I must tell you that that is an interesting philosophical question, but I'll tell you why it's a philosophical question not a real one. Um. Okay players are in the bargaining unit now, and they have actual contracts. And just like everybody else in the world, they have a right to have those contracts enforced to the greatest extent possible. That may mean changes for players and owners down the road, just like it means somebody that's going to be a free agent two years from now is not going to have the cap rise the way it it otherwise would. But that's, you know, sort of the world we live in. Um, And those players when we get there will have an opportunity to work things out for themselves it's not perfect by any means nobody wished the pandemic i wish that our revenues were like the nfl too
1: (laughs) i uh i assume you watch with some interest um as we all contemplate the future of a television deal particularly in the united states the canadian deal is set for a few more years but um there's much anticipation, I think, in the NHL offices about who who the next rights holder will be, wh- how much the revenues potentially will increase. Any feeling as to um, where that's going?
2: Oh, I I have some guesses, but I'm going to keep them to myself if that's okay. That
1: negotiating the
2: TV contracts, whether it ends up in the form it's been now where the US rights are held essentially by one company, now NBC, or whether it's split or or moved around, that's the responsibility of management. And as we say it, their responsibility is to get the best possible deal, certainly in terms of revenue, but also in terms of exposure and fan outreach and all the rest of that. And um, I know, that gary and the rest of his staff have been working on this for a while and um we need to leave it to them to work out that's not my role
0: um with the assumption that uh october of 2021 a new season will start again it's an assumption uh with 32 hockey clubs um and we're we're close to being back to normal don are you confident that we'll be going to beijing for the olympics assuming that the olympics are played yes uh yeah i i so, will turn to to those issues
2: but that was part of the understanding and that's another indicia of a real return to normalcy and it puts the nhl right. back on center stage worldwide too
1: uh we want to thank you for your time um especially uh, during the holiday season and um we wish you and your family all the best uh, uh, from a a safety perspective as much as anything else because i think that's what we're all kind of focused on these days uh it's good to see you and um we look forward to having an opportunity to chat with you somewhere down the road uh all the best don and thanks again
2: you got it i appreciate it bye-bye
1: the executive director of the National Hockey League Players Association, Don Fear. We'll see you next time on the podcast. Bye bye.